Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I'd do. I've been married a long time ago. Same <laughs> A girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hello and welcome to episode number 23 of Broken Records, our search for music's lowest ever ebb. My name is Stephen Hill and I'm joined by Renfrey Deadman. We are the pair who have, for some maniacal bizarre reason, have decided to put ourselves through this fucking nightmare of yep. listening to some of the worst albums ever made. I believe it Regretting was your, that? believe it was your idea, Steve. It was my idea. <laughs> so, you know, but the blame is being squarely put on your shoulders. Uh but yes. Yeah. How are you, Steve? Yeah. Are you, some, are you, right. are you I mean, regretting some, that is what I should ask. Are you regretting? I, I was going to say like, sometimes I think oh, I wish I hadn't done this, but then I do think it makes for interesting interesting show it's so what, what we have here true. right guys is a list of over 150 albums that we have compiled based on a varying criteria be it the critical reaction to it the fan reaction to it the band's reaction to it some kind of uh, i don't know malaise that's set in around the band during the recording or the aftermath of the record something happened that has given this album just a reputation of being a bad record we're not necessarily saying it is a shit record straight away and we hate it and this is how much we hate it there is something about this record that just has the general malaise of you know uh brokenness around it uh this week we are going to be talking about Razorlight by Razorlight. Mm. now um we should say that this was actually first released on our alternative music podcast review show riot act which you can listen to every friday it came out on the 14th of august 2020 episode 106 if you're interested it was a week that featured some incredibly successful british bands from the likes of fontaine's dc and biffy Clyro were two of the bands that we featured that week yeah. two bands who should heed the warning from the past that razor light gave them essentially like don't be too cocky because razor light headlined a fucking reading festival on this album yeah. unbelievable unbelievable yeah god knows why well because people liked them for some ridiculous reason but there we go we'll get it into was that. It was mad. I mean, we, we will very much, yeah, we will very much get into that. A bizarre time in music, a bizarre thing to happen, and the whole bizarreness of Razorlight is about to get discussed by us right now. So um, here we are doing that. Fuck this feature, let's, by the way. Let's end. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck um, this feature. Fuck music is sort of how I feel after listening well, to this record. Spoiler alert. Well, yeah. <laughs> A little bit. Um, Broken Records is how we end the show every week, uh, where we search for the worst album ever made. And damn, have we had some stinkers. But never before have me and Renfrey um, ever reacted with such <laughs> outrage as we did when Razorlight by Razorlight was pulled out of the hat last week. You were really think, not happy. I've I just... 
thought I don't want to listen to this. I, just I mean, really, really don't want to listen to this. This was missed for um, for the audio listeners, of course. But Steve just had his head in his hands, and you I was I was annoyed. You I was were very annoyed because because well, we'll get into it. Razor Light by Razor Light, released on the seventeenth of June, two thousand and six. Now, some of you of a certain age. If you are one of those younger people, you might be going, right, I feel like I know the name. So do you remember Razorlight? Seems like if you were there at the time, they were omnipresent to us. But now, in 2020, you'd probably struggle to even remember that they were a thing, unless we hadn't just rubbed them in your face. But trust us. Like a bad smell. Trust us. Razorlight were fucking massive. Yes. absolutely massive but who were they so um formed in 2002 by lead singer and cunt johnny burrell <laughs> they were quickly thrust into the post strokes and libertines world um that was beginning to dominate alternative and popular culture simultaneously um a scene that would ultimately destroy the popularity of guitar music or its critical standing anyway i still hugely maintain that these bands are the reason that hip-hop and pop music are bigger and more Cer- relevant and that, that's why they're bigger now because of shit like this certainly an argument to be made i mean johnny mm-hmm. burrell even sort of um kind of apologized for the shit that came after um after uh, the razor light invasion as if he was responsible for it, which I'm not even sure if that's strictly true. Um, There was an article on the independent, um, which is headlined. Johnny Burrell finally admits razor light. Second album fucked everything up for indie music. Um, (laughs) And uh, it says, well, well themselves a copycat band. What transpired were hundreds of labels jumping on any opportunity to sign razor light light, i.e. the kooks. The reign of indie landfill had begun. Do you think um, mm. Razor Light were responsible for that? I think that's what we're about to find out. Well, Winfrey. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here we go. Um, I first heard Razor Light just before their debut album came out in 2004. So they played Glastonbury and were hotly tipped at the time. Um, they did a kind of live lounge acoustic version of the big song from that first album, The Golden Touch. Um that Glastonbury 2004 was interesting because there were a lot of bands from that kind of post-Libertines, um, post-Strokes, that kind of thing. I mean, the Ordinary Boys were one, for example, who played the main stage. Now, I, 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 we'll talk about these other bands, but uh, all of these bands that we're going to talk about, the Ordinary Boys, the Maximo Parks, the Block Parties, all of those bands were at that Glastonbury Festival and they were pushing this shit so hard, so fucking hard. And I do remember they were pushing a razor light. They're like the hot tip band. Like they are the, going to be the next big things. Mm-hmm. And they played this kind of version of the golden touch. Now you can say a lot of things about razor light, but I'd say objectively speaking, golden touch is actually a pretty well written song. And with the YouTube trick of getting some gospel singers, um, into, to kind of back it up. I remember thinking, that's actually a pretty good song done live with an acoustic guitar and some, you know, kind of gospel backing singers. I was at drama school at the time. So as I've discussed, I liked crap music and I was being exposed to terrible music back then. So what transpired? It's a prerequisite for getting into drama school, isn't it? It It's part part of the audition process. It is. Um, So what happened was I went into a shop and I picked up the Razorlight album and I gave them money and I walked out of the shop with the, I purchased, I, I'm, I'm trying to sort of 
be as like obs- obscure enough without having to say I bought the first Razorlight album because I'm sort of ashamed about it. And you've self-flagellated I've... yourself since. Uh... I have absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, now it is not a good record. I got no. it back home and I was like, this is a bad record. Now, when I think back to that time and that little kind of indie period that I had, there are a few albums from that time that I stand by. Anything by Arcade Fire, Block, Block Party, Editors. Yep. I would say that first Ordinary Boys album is really fucking good as well. Don't forget Hot Hot Heat. I mean, I knew they'd come up at some point, but <laughs> fuck me, that is early, even for you. They're becoming your version of Talk Talk, Hot Hot Heat. <laughs> um, so those albums are great and they still sound great. Uh, there are some that I thought were quite good from the time and now I don't really mind. Kasabian, Future Heads, Maximo Park. There are some that I bought at the time and I liked at the time. And now I just go, what the fuck were you thinking? Kaiser Chiefs and the bravery. And there were some that I just got and straight away put back and were like, this is fucking hideous. This is rubbish. Hard Fi, the Fratellis. I mean, actually, my girlfriend was given the Fratellis album for Christmas. So we had it in a house. Not really my fault. Razorlight's debut was certainly in that camp. It was a piece of shite. But... They got pretty successful off the back of that record, didn't they? Golden Touch was a big hit. Um, I mean, I'm sure they were on Pop World and the Friday Night Project. Um, Probably. I don't know. Surely. Definitely. They were. They must have been. Everybody. Yeah. Um, They played Live 8 in 2005. The kind of 20th anniversary of Live 8 thing at Hyde Park. And were held as... um, I I remember seeing a, a, a documentary at the end of that year when they were sort of looking back on Live 8. Uh, and everybody said, oh, you know, the best new band from all the sort of younger bands that played that day, the best new band was Razorlight. They were the standout new band. I mean, although that might be true, but when you're competing with Keen, Miss Dynamite, Snow Patrol, Joss Stone and the Scissor Sisters, who actually are actually quite good. uh, uh, It's it's not saying much, is it? No. Um, Anyway, they got quite big on that record. Johnny Burrell became a a sort of proper rock star, sort of. I mean, he basically, he took his top off, he wore white jeans, and he told everyone how he was better than Bob Dylan. Um, So like every other coked up beige cunt from Camden used to do, that's sort of what he did. Um, Apparently towards the end of an American tour during the last bit of promotion for that first record, Burrell ran off stage in Denver, Colorado after five songs, saying that he was off to kill himself which kind of sets the tone for this album, really, because he must have heard the mixes um, <laughs> of what his next album was going to be. Um, Razorlight released In The Morning, the lead single, peaked at number two in the UK singles chart. Um, they went on just before the album's release to open for The Who in Hyde Park, and it went straight in at number one in the UK album chart. And it is a very, very big album from the time. It now, is. a few people have gone... Why exactly are you picking the big hit in Razorlight album, the one that people seem to actually like, when its follow-up, Slipway Fires, a couple of years later, mm-hmm. is really the shitty one that you should have been covering? Well, uh, this was still reviewed very badly, and I think it's just got a bigger profile. And there's other stuff that we'll get onto in a minute. But basically, reviews-wise, Pitchfork gave it a 28 
calling it an amalgam of 90s alt-rock sensations such as Counting Crows and the Rembrandts. What ghoul then when they update REM's classic Pop Song 89 to Pop Song 2006? A slapdash salute to the Athens group with the flag at half-mast. Of course, such braggadocios expected when Burrell's actually convinced he is our generation's Dylan. He's right too, although he should have specified Jacob and not Bob. Uh, Rolling Stone gave it two out of five saying the overall feel still falls somewhere between sterile and silly with the nadir coming early on on the would-be anthem America, which even Jesus Jones would have rejected as overblown. Drowned in Sound gave it a 5 out of 10 review um, that mentions Actoon Baby quite positively throughout, and that's something which I think we will, we will mention, uh, saying this is not a great album. That needs to be said while the dust is settling while the dust is still settling. Uh, though it's not bad. We have to disperse such a thick smokescreen before we can even start to ascertain its worth. Any reward has already been bled out in the disparity between expectation and reality. So goodbye, Johnny and the gang. It was fair enough effort, but I'm afraid we'll be the judges of your worth from now on as your egos and your sensibilities appear to need recalibrating. Um, Pop Matters gave it three out of 10. More comparisons um with them not being as good as you two uh it says in many ways there's not a lot wrong with razor light the tunes are catchy the lyrics could sort of be profound if you don't listen too closely and at 35 minutes it can hardly be described as over long but while everything might well be in its right place razor light is a bloodless careerist record that has nothing to say that you haven't heard a million times before for a record that displays such bare commercial ambitions it is a startlingly unimaginative and anonymous listen uh stylus gave it an F rating, saying Razorlight already proved in 2004 that the only thing worse than a precocious pop sensation is a stunted, would-be liberal arts student with nothing to say. And here, just by gracing us with a physical copy of their second album, the band proved that those infamous types are one and the same. And the NME (laughs) gave it 8 out of 10. Uh, before later in the year changing their mind and nominating it for the worst album of the year of their award show, uh, an award which was won by Robbie Williams' Rude Box, which they also gave 8 out of 10 10. in in their magazine. Uh, They also compared it to U2. The headline, the tagline for this review is, Burrell goes bono, but it's actually good. Hmm. Mm. Time has not aged this review very well. Uh, It says of the last song, it's difficult to imagine anything rawer captured on record as the album's closer it proves devastating so razor lights morning after record is neither a tawdry come down nor a party substitute it's bigger than that it's a soulful romantic album about what happens when the lights come up at the end of the night and life smacks you in the face it's a record that understands and is there for you throughout all the highs and lows well done well done nme you knobs <laughs> i mean that that more or less sums up why we have such a sneery attitude towards enemy certainly at that time you know mm. um god and also just that whole sort of the confusing nature of giving it eight out of ten and then nominating it for the worst album of the year at their awards i think gives mm. an idea of that sort of sneery attitude that those publications had at that time it just sums it yeah. up in one sentence really doesn't it it really really does yeah build them up um, and then knock them down bollocks Rubbish. So there you go. So Renfrey, now we can talk about it. What do you think of Razorlight by Razorlight? Uh, hmm. What do I think of Razorlight by Razorlight? Uh, in the morning is basically the jam for toddlers. In the morning <laughs> was a big single. Yeah. And I was listening to it and it struck me 
And actually, I listened to this. We went to Cambridge yesterday, me and my girlfriend. On the way back, I went, I'm really sorry. Oh, she doesn't mind because she does, doesn't mind some of this awful shit. But she was <laughs> like, I was like, can I listen to the Razorlight album? And we did a game where we listened to the, a song from the Razorlight album and then listened to the song that it massively rips off straight afterwards. And if you remember the song Scream If You Want to Go Faster by Jerry Halliwell, I'd never noticed before, but it absolutely rips off Scream If You Want to Go Faster by Jerry Halliwell. It, mm. it really does. And when he's talking about like this, on the, you know, the big line from America, there's nothing on the TV, there's no, there's no one on the, yeah, no one on the TV, nothing on the radio that appeals to me. And, you know, even that song, all these singers just look the same. Everyone just sounds the same. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you're ripping off Jerry Halliwell, mate. <laughs> Not only are you ripping off Jerry Halliwell, you're doing a preschool version of Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen on the next song. Mm. And then hold on, it's fucking I'm Your Man by Wham, but without any of the joy or the voice or the charisma of George Michael. Yeah. It's a shit version of I'm Your Man by Wham. Don't sit here and tell me, like, you know, there's nothing on the radio. Mate, you're only nicking shit off Top of the Pops. <laughs> Everything you're, you're, you sound like is some kind of massive hit from some pop band. Yeah. And Bruce Springsteen. Talk about pot kettle black, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're complaining about bland, uh, just oh, just frontman with fucking nothing to say, just fucking boring. Um, it kind of surprised me just how starkly naked this album is in terms of production. Um, it's dry as a bone. This album, mm. um, it didn't feel to me as if I was listening to a quote unquote complete record until the end of Hold On. Um, where some some sort of <laughs> like the producer sort of um, uh, starts twiddling the knobs. It sounds like a demo. It sounds like they sound like demos before then. I mean, I think I'm. I think this was almost certainly a choice rather than a production mistake or error because the album was recorded by Chris Thomas, whose production credits include, among others, Sex Pistols, Elton John, Pulp, NXS, Brian Ferry, Procol Harum. And some band called the Beatles. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> when you're working with that caliber of artist, you're not bad at your job. You know, I don't think the blame can be put at uh, Chris Thomas's feet. It was obviously a um, a decision. But as we discussed before, when it comes to this sort of thing, it was a decision based on commercial aspects and commercial aspects alone. And because that kind of dry production... And um, the fact that there's there's barely anything to these songs, but that stuff goes across really well on radio. That's the kind of production style that works really well for radio, um, especially. I mean, I suppose we would have still be in, been in the FM radio era in this. I suppose digital mm -hmm. radio was just about coming in. But, you know, um, radio. radio. Uh, it would be it would have been XFM still then when XFM yeah. and Virgin yeah. Radio and yeah. you know Radio One with Chris Moles on the morning yeah. like that kind of fucking shit and it just feels so like there's just so little going on on this record it's just kind of like the it's just melodies and a bit of jangly guitar really for 35 minutes it's just very nothingy really isn't it mm. um i have to admit i mean the thing is i, I kind of hate myself for saying this 
But there are moments where this record actually sounds quite good. Um, they're only moments, and by God, are they fleeting moments. But the last 30 seconds of I Can't Stop This Feeling I've Got actually sounds... Well, the one that you mean Waterfall by Stone Roses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I do think that sort of... Uh, and I am specifically referring to the last 30 seconds. Uh, but that sounds quite good. Um, I feel like I'm going to have to, I don't know, bathe myself in chlorine after saying this. But when America came on, I don't know if it was some kind of Stockholm Syndrome or nostalgia kick. That- no, I know what you're going to say. This is a Pavlovian response. It could well to be. To you being stood around a bunch of people who like that song because they're scum. And yeah, and it just reminded you, you, you went to somewhere in a pub and it played and you had a nice time. I you found like my... That, you no, don't like that no, song. No, I don't like it. All, I'm, all I was going to say is I found my toe tapping, Steve. I mean, I immediately wanted to saw my own foot off, maybe even the whole leg up to the thigh just to ensure <laughs> that this sudden newfound respect that my toe had inadvertently found for razor light wouldn't spread to the rest of my body and God forbid my mind. Um, I but- mean, I- it's just not that is i mean it's a thing right america is the big single off of this right and that's why when we got this when we got pulled this out you know i already knew like at least three of the songs from this record and i felt like i I felt like i felt like i knew all of it which was which would really hurt Mm. me stung me even more but yeah it felt it felt like oh god i know this whole bloody record but because of the omnipresence even as i held the bit of paper in my hand when i picked it out of the hat last week i was like I know I have to listen to these songs that I already know I fucking hate. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to go back and listen to them with fresh ears and go, okay, right. Well, it's funny because we, <laughs> I was talking to uh, Merlin at Metal Hammer and he knows that we do, we chat about whatever we're up to. And I said to Merlin, like, fucking hell, man, I've just pulled Razorlight, Razorlight out of the Broken Records hat. And he was like, well, I hope you go in with an open mind. And I was like, well, of course, we always go. We always go in with an open mind. Like, we always go into these with an open mind, right? Mm. I think even with this one, I was like, now I know I hate these songs, but it's been a long time and I've not heard the whole record. So it's probably like the chances of me liking it are so slim, but you go in with an open mind and go, was I being harsh? Like, let's find out. But he said to me, he's like, you know, actually I went back and listened to the first Arctic Monkeys album and I've got no time for it. And actually it was quite good, but it's like comparing this to the Arctic Monkeys, It's ridiculous because mm. I don't think anyone, you know, the Arctic Monkeys are still massive and kind of deservedly so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they've not just made, I didn't even listen to that Arctic Monkeys album and just and thought, well, they've just done this to get on the radio. Yes. But they, they weren't, they weren't doing that at all. And they're, exactly. you know, I, I don't think that is a fair comparison. But, I agree. But this, like when America came on, I was like, objectively, this is just, not only do I have this kind of like my eyes start twitching like, oh, this fucking song, but I tried to listen to it in the same way as I listened. To it. Like I've already admitted that I think the Golden Touch is actually quite a well-made song, mm-hmm. even if it's fucking annoying and omnipresent at that time. And, you mm-hmm. know, you ended up hating it because you were like, this guy's a knobhead. Mm-hmm. America's just not a very well-made song. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place. It stops, starts. It doesn't flow. It's not composed well mm. it, it's jarring it's it's crap it's mm. cack mm. It's, it's, it, uh, i remember it's sometimes you hear songs that get massive and you just go how mm. how has that happened it's just it, even for like stupid people who don't really care about me like who don't care about music or don't think about music i say stupid people let's rephrase that people who aren't interested who aren't really interested in music mm. they just like to hear whatever comes on the radio mm. 
I mean, fucking hell, when that comes on, I, I, I don't understand how that... I mean, it's no better than Bingo by Catch. <laughs> the only theory I can um, put forward to that is... Um, uh, and again, I think this is, you know, us coming at it from an open mind. I I didn't I didn't like re-listening to this record at all, but I didn't despise it quite as much as I thought I was going to, um, based on memory alone. Um, I don't like it at all, but but it, it I didn't absolutely despise it. I just think again, I mean, sort of go back to that thing of like there just is nothing to these songs, and I agree. I don't think they're particularly well composed. I think the thing that appealed to people is um, Johnny Burrell's relatively good at writing a melody that sticks in your head, um, mm. and I think a lot of people, again, I would you know argue without trying to sound sound too snobby. Um, people who more casual listeners to music kind of go, oh, well, if a melody's catchy, that makes it good. No. Um, writing a catchy melody, I don't think does make a song good at all. Um, I, I, think, I think a catchy melody can be part of a great song, but I don't think that in and of itself makes it good. In fact, quite often a lot of the melodies on this album I find really cloying and annoying. Um, mm. Yeah, they're easy to sing. You can sing it a lot of this record back after the first listen and sometimes that is definitely a good thing but uh, you know you, you hear this record once and you're ne you're, ne you're never going to hear something new on a second listen there's no right. depth to it at all it is so it's so happy meal you know mm. it is so kind of like it's just so lowest common denominator it's just rubbish and i think but i think the reason why i thought i would hate it more is because the omnipresence of it at the time you, you know did make me dislike this band so much probably much more than i should have disliked them at the time but also it's real when when the front man of a band just comes out with this absolute twattery um it just really makes you loathe them even more doesn't it and johnny, mm. johnny burrell just strikes me as the most annoying cloying cunt just comparing himself to bob dylan i mean what fucking planet are you on you fucking dope um it's just absolutely uh, but but then but i will say i think my my dislike of johnny burrell um maybe maybe made me thought that i would dislike this album even more than i did and uh i don't think it's the absolute hateful piece of tripe it was i just don't think it's very good no i think it was a complete package wasn't it it was yeah. the time it was the look yeah. it was the fact of you know a band like we talked about biffy clyro earlier who obviously have gone on to have the last laugh but Absolutely. a band like biffy who were getting kind of nothing or kind of sneered you know you, you think of the sort of the Ruben and bands like that getting sneered at and not being touched by the enemy while this shit was yeah. getting on, like I say, the Friday night project with Justin yeah. Lee Collins and Alan Carr. I mean, you know, that does sound like my idea of hell. Yeah. Razor like hanging out with Alan Carr and fucking Justin Lee Collins. <laughs> but hey, the noughties, like mm. I always remind you, it was bad. But yeah, you're 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 right to say all of that. I mean, you are you're you're kind of what you're saying there about how it's not you know, we've had some fucking really dross mm. bad records on this. And this is just 
you've made a boring, a shit boring record. Yeah. It is really. Yeah. A slight uh, shit boring record and you've told everyone that it's the best thing ever. The best thing ever. Yeah. And And that sort of added to it. And at the time that was massively cloying, annoying and really kind of added to my hatred of this band but now that the dust has settled on this stuff and and we're not kind of overwhelmed with this utter dross um i can look at it in an ever so slightly more fond light um but i still don't like it i suppose what i'm trying to say is i don't think this record is broken per se i just don't think it's very good at all Mm. um it was as you all probably know at this point a depressingly big hit uh, the band supported Queen and Paul Rogers and Richard Ashcroft, uh, fellow Broken Records alumni there, the old Broken <laughs> Records tour, um, uh, as well as imagine. supporting, yeah, as well as supporting the Stones and Oasis before they went on to, and this I think sums up just how mad this time was. They went on to headline the main stage of the Reading Festival in 2007. Now, when you look at the sort of artists that headline the Reading Festival today. Stormzy, Eminem, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Biffy. Uh, do you know what I mean? It's it's unthinkable that Razorlight would head would get even halfway up that stage. Although I don't know, the Cortinas are giving it a bloody good go. But unbelievable absolutely unbelievable i mean if you're one of those people somebody did say to me once when i was saying you know like i think i was comparing post i was saying post malone's just an american face tattoo rap version of razor light and somebody went wow razor light were never that big they fucking they were. were they fucking when were, you think yeah. if you think this stuff wasn't that big they fucking were and if you are wondering why we picked this record and not slipway fires um which is the disastrous 2008 follow-up well I think it's for exactly the reason that you explained just a minute ago, Renfrey. Mm. Slipway Fires went away without a whisper. Yeah, it did. And although Razorlight continued to veer from sort of one failure to another for a few years to the point where most of the band lined up had changed completely but and Burrell released a failed solo album, they came back to play that debut album in full on its 10th anniversary at the Electric Ballroom in London. Yeah. In six years... Mm. From headlining Reading Festival to the Electric Ballroom. Here today, gone tomorrow. The Electric, the electric Ballroom holds about 800 people. You're looking at about, what, 60,000, 80,000 people at Reading Festival? Yeah, it's about 1,200. But but yeah, it's still oh, right, a yeah. massive, 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 massive tip. Yeah. Um, also, humiliating. For yeah. someone who said they're a better songwriter than Bob Dylan, yeah. humiliating things also, happen. Also, I noticed, um, going through um, Spotify... Um, I noticed that Razorlight released an album in 2018 called Olympus Sleeping. Totally missed that um, because yep. I suppose people have kind of realised that um, they weren't really anything that special to talk about in the first place. And, you know, I, I was completely unaware. I suppose I don't really look to that world all that often, but I was completely aware, unaware that Razorlight had even released um, a record since those first three. Um, looking it up on Wikipedia they haven't no one's even bothered to create an entry for olympus sleeping that's how far this band have fallen because why would you fucking bother in uh, 2018 Mm. or 2020 they they have released um new singles this year there's one called burn camden burn um 
I wouldn't have minded burning it around this time, considering that <laughs> <laughs> the Libertines and Razor Light and all that lot were probably hanging out around mm. there quite a lot. Um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, God, it looks like Just maybe... make sure you save... When, well, actually... I was going to say make sure you save Amy Winehouse, but it probably wouldn't have done any good in the long run anyway. <laughs> um, it's actually interesting you mentioned Amy Winehouse because there's another independent um, article uh, that was um, released around the the release of that. Uh, uh, what was it called? Olympus, Olympus shitstorm, Olympus sleeping. Um, just assuming it's a shitstorm. Uh, and the opening paragraph said, it's the mid-noughties in a scruffy Camden boozer called the Hawley Arms. Amy Winehouse is pulling her own pints behind the bar. Members of Arctic Monkeys and Kaiser Chiefs are milling about. So too are the Libertines, probably tossing their pork pie hats ceremoniously in the air. Kate Moss is there, obviously. Nick Grimshaw is DJing. And Johnny Burrell from Razorlight, resplendent in a nipple-low V-neck, has brought along his girlfriend, Hollywood A-lister Kirsten Dunst. The pub is the tabloid feeding epicentre of London's posturing indie scene. A scene so cool, Tim Burgess the Charlton's once said, once told Vice, it didn't have a name. Um, that uh, bar, you know, a couple of things, members of Arctic Monkeys, Amy Winehouse, uh, Kirsten Dunst, I have an issue with Kirsten Dunst. Uh, that sums up pretty much everything I fucking hate about this scene. <laughs> like I just read that paragraph. I was just like, uh, uh, put it in the bin. Uh, uh. Yeah, that would be Hate bad, it. man. Hate Awful. it. Awful. The bad, it was a pretty bad, I mean, I was living in, I moved up to London at that time and I would go out, go out at the weekend, sometimes to Camden and I never, ever had a good time. Um, I'll tell you what else, something you haven't picked up on Renfrey. Do you know, mm. speaking about this fall, this humiliating fall that Razorlight have been on, do you know who he blamed for that? No. The drummer. In 2016, uh, yes. Johnny Burrell admitted that the band uh, and... Uh, were collaborative and Andy Burrows, the drummer, had helped shape the sound of the second album, stating that I rate the drummer Andy Burrows. He was a great drummer with a melodic ear. But if you want to figure out who was taking Razorlight in which direction, then maybe have a listen to what we're each doing now. I'm playing psychedelic blues tango and his stuff is so middle of the road, it's got more white lines than Liam Gallagher in 1997. You fucking idiot. <laughs> you can't blame it on the drummer. You can't blame this on the drummer, mate. No, of course you No can. way. What a knob. Um, <laughs> no, well, he's, when the, it, he's the primary songwriter, is he not? Burrell? Yeah, of, I'm course assuming, he is. of course he is. He's, he's the, he wrote all of the songs. Um, Andy, Andy Burrow's, Burrow's got two, work, two writing credits on this. Exactly. So so how the fuck is it Andy Burrow's fault? Um, and he's got writing credits on America and Before I Fall to Pieces. But, you know, no, Burrell, it's your fucking fault. You wrote this, Dross. Fucking own it. At the very, at the very least, admit to it. Douche. I know it's absolutely pathetic. I uh, definitely a psychedelic blues tango. What are you on about? Fucking hell, you wouldn't know blues tango if it came up and to him the Hawley Arms offered him a bag of coke, a fucking twat. <laughs> um, it does make it quite hard. I tell you what, I tell you what, it, and I think we said this at the time. It makes me remember back to the very first broken record that we did, Streets in the Sky by the Enemy. Mm. And go, that got a pasting in 2012 mm. for the crime of just being one of those bands. Mm. And like we said, it was such an omnipresent, horrible scene that the first one of those bands that was going to bring an album out was going to get absolutely crucified. And the enemy did. And I don't remember much about Streets and Sky by the enemy. No. But I do remember thinking it's probably better than this. 
Oh, it's a tricky one. Um, I do think, I mean, what I will say about the enemy streets in the skies, I don't think there's anything vaguely memorable about it at all. And whilst I have just wanged on about the fact that, you know, just because you can write a melodic hook, which is memorable, that doesn't make you good. I do think uh, when we're comparing the enemy and Razorlight, at least Razorlight have that in their back pocket. Like the, the these melodies, they do stick in your head. I mean, whether for good or for ill i would argue for ill um but at least they have that i suppose so i suppose in that respect i would um uh you know give the bout to razor light having said mm. that there's also um the argument to be made that you know if we're to believe johnny burrell he's responsible for a lot of this shit um and it becoming the stagnated Oh, is he responsible for it being coming? It already was. It already was. Yeah, like, like you know. So uh, he certainly, he probably he, Razorlight may well have added a couple of years to this boring, stagnant scene um, mm. with the success of this record potentially. Um, so is that yeah. a reason to vote it? Down? I'm very, I'm very, I, I'm, I have to say, I'm very, I'm struggling to know where to place it. This one, I am. Struggling. Well, if you're, if you're saying it's Streets in the Sky is worse. Mm, I don't, it well it is and it isn't <laughs> that's the thing yeah. it is and it isn't and then is it worse than limp biscuits results may vary which is just beneath it i feel like this is weirdly i'm gonna have to say i think this is probably better than results may vary and if this is better than results may vary um then it's also better than streets in the sky by the enemy it's definitely not better than primitive call by mick jagger no uh, and all those other Bush, William Shatner, Dee Dee King, Lauren Hill, Liz Fair, Lou Reed, Lou Reed and Metallica, Bob Dylan, forget it. Mm. When you go to the top of the very, very top of the pile, Methods of Mayhem, Uncle Cracker, Towers of London, six, uh, so bad. Yeah. Six Feet Under, no, not really. Yeah. E. Ogan, Richard Ashcroft's just hilarious, like yeah, over yeah, the top. Yeah. Same with Queen of Paul Rogers. It's actually not as, I mean, stuff like Louis Fourteenth and Theory of a Dead Man, a kind of more like disgusting there's nothing on this which is disgusting it's just no, that's over, true it's just over the top so you've then got like famous first words by viva brother who i think would be desperate that's it like viva viva brother would love to have been raised like they'd have oh, fucking yeah. given anything i can't remember anything about one by dirty vegas i can't remember much about streets and sky so that there really leaves i would say <laughs> unbelievably razor light for all the amount we bitched and moaned I think Razorlight go in between Mick Jagger and Limp Biscuit. So Jagger, Razorlight, Biscuit, the enemy. That's given me a knot in my stomach though, because that feels too nice. <laughs> I am I am wondering whether to put it above not just the enemy, but also um uh did you say Louis the fourteenth? Louis Fourteenth. Mm, yeah. What on their rapey rapey songs? Oh god, 14th? no, no, you're absolutely right. No, I do. No, no, no. Let's go there. Well, okay. In, then in between the enemy, the below Louis Fourteenth, above the enemy. If that makes sense. So it's the enemy, Dirty Vegas, Viva Brother, Louis the Four, Theory of a Dead Man, Louis the Fourteenth is how the list looks at the moment. Okay. So you've got. So you're saying it's worse than the enemy. Is yeah. it worse than Dirty Vegas? Don't know. Can't, Can't remember. remember. <laughs> I mean, famous first words by Viva Brother is just like a, a terrible, terrible version of this, mm. an even worse version of this. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. So I think it's got to go, and it, it definitely. I can't believe I would say, "Oh, it is, Razorlight is better than Theory of a Dead Man and Louis the Fourteenth," but it is. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So I think, okay, Dirty Vegas, Razorlight, Viva Brother. Yeah, In okay. that little pocket Fair there. Play. Fair play. You, I've, yeah, let's, let's put it there. So there you go, Razorlight. Um, back where they belong, uh, in the middle of something. In the, uh, <laughs> in the middle of a load of shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we need to do another record next week, Renfrey. Please, I, I could do with a D.D. King next week, mm. to be fair. Oh, After yeah. listening to like Limp Biscuit and could do there, there's one in here that I'm just like, if I reach around, maybe I can find the one that I desperately want to do. Because there are some in here that I've nope, absolutely <laughs> quite the opposite, actually. <laughs> Fucking great. Oh, and it's from the same time as well. Uh, I'm not a fan, but the kids like it by Broken Side. Oh, crikey. Okay. I mean, from the UK's version of just the absolute worst thing that that happened in the noughties to America's version <laughs> of the the worst thing that happened in the 90s. Uh, I'm not really looking forward to that. No. Uh, we'll be back next week, though. Okay, there you go. That was uh, that was us talking about razor light. <laughs> In 2020, what the fuck were we thinking? Um, <laughs> hope you enjoy the show. I mean, I really do hope you enjoy the show. Because if you don't, and I've listened to Razorlight for no fucking reason, I'll be furious. Uh, episode 24 um, is is uh, is available for you to listen to now. Ah, it's um, it's broken side. I mean, there's no. There's no easy way to put this. We knew we knew we'd come to it at some point. It was an inevitability. Um, mm. Yeah, another absolutely horrible one. That one, horrible, horrible, horrible. That's episode twenty-four. It is waiting for you to be listened to. Dare you listen to it right now? Thank you very much for listening to the show. We appreciate that. Um, you can find us every Friday, being slightly nicer to music on Riot Act. Go to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash right act, and uh, you can sign up for exclusive content that we put out every every week, actually. Um, but if you like the horrible stuff, doesn't get much hor- more horrible than where we're about to go on episode 24. So, broken side, oh, take a deep breath and get ready because it's, it's not good. We will see you there. <laughs>